You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Once there was a king, and the king was slated to die. He knew that the end of his life was near. And it was time, therefore, to pick a successor. And the whole kingdom was abuzz, trying to think of who he would select. Would it be a general? Would it be a top advisor? Would it be a great noble person? And everybody was abuzz. But the king wrote down who his successor would be in an envelope and tucked it away and instructed everybody not to open the envelope until after his death. Shortly thereafter, the king passed away. And it was time after a period of mourning, great mourning in the kingdom because he was a very beloved king. After the period of mourning was over, it was time for the advisors to find the envelope that had listed in who the successor was. And again, the whole kingdom was abuzz in thoughts about who was going to be the successor. And they held a big ceremony in the public square to open the envelope and to announce the successor. And as they opened the envelope and pulled out the name, it wasn't a general, it wasn't a nobleman, it wasn't an advisor. It wasn't even a distant relative of the king. People were surprised that it was the jester. The jester would be the king. And everybody starts talking to each other. How can it be? How can it be that a fool gets to be the king? But those were the king's instructions. So they whisked the jester away. They brought him to the palace. They put on him all of the vestments of royalty and installed him, coronated him as king. And it was awkward at first, not going to lie. People didn't know exactly how to relate to this jester king. They thought it was an odd choice. But it turned out, after just a little bit of time, to have been a brilliant choice by the previous king. This jester, this new king, was every bit as wise and as gentle and as compassionate and just as the king who had preceded him. He brought prosperity and peace to the kingdom. He was able to hold court and listen to the concerns and the issues of everyday people, listening to them nonstop, intently, cultivating their ideas and even instituting some of the best ones. He became beloved and renowned for his wisdom and for his love of the people and for the great things that he was doing in the kingdom. But there was one strange kind of idiosyncratic thing about the king. Every day, he would steal away from the throne room for just a little bit of time and go to a private room in the palace that only he had the key to. Nobody else could access it. And he would go there and spend a little bit of time there and then come back to the throne room as if nothing had changed and nothing had happened. And people didn't give it too much thought, you know, maybe he was meditating, maybe he was praying, maybe he was just uh, taking a quick nap, who knows what he was doing in there. Maybe he was playing with his cats. Maybe he was playing with his cats, only normal people don't have cats, but that's a... uh, (laughs) uh, And remember, he was a wise king, okay? So, um, just kidding. Um, So, uh, um, 
Anyway, so, he, uh, so no one knew what he was doing in there, but no one really thought too much of it. Well, one day an ambassador from a far-off land came to visit the king. He had heard tales of the king's wisdom and depth and justice and compassion, and he wanted to meet this king for himself. And he met him and spent some time with him, and it turned out that the rumors were true. The king was every bit what everybody said the king was. But the ambassador became very curious about where it was the king was going each and every day into this private, tucked away room that only he had the key to. And so one day the ambassador decided to follow the king to that room. And as the king went in, the ambassador slid out from around the corner and peeked through the keyhole of the room. And in it he saw the king strip the royal vestments, take off the crown, and put on the clothes and the costume of a jester. And he would dance around the room and sing silly songs and make silly jokes and frolic and laugh and then stand in front of a mirror and say, never forget who you are. You are just a jester. And at that moment, the ambassador knew the secret of the king's greatness. The secret of the king's greatness is that the king never forgot his humble origins. He never assumed that just because he was a king, he could lord and preside over people, presume he was better than them by virtue of his status and by virtue of his wealth. He always knew that deep down he was just the jester and brought that consciousness to his role as the king. And for that, the ambassador loved the king and decided if this is the king of this kingdom, I am going to wed myself to this kingdom and to this king and befriend him. And so he did the ambassador state and became the closest confidant of this king. And one day, many years later, the ambassador was riddled with guilt. And he said, King, I've held this inside for so long, but I, I just have to tell you that one day I stole away and I peeked through the keyhole and I saw what you do in that private room. And I promise, now that I've told you, I will never tell a soul your secret is safe with me. You know you can trust me. But I'm still, after all of these years, left with one question. Why was it that the previous king thought to make you king? And the jester turned to him and said, who do you think he was before he became the king? I thought of that story this week as the news came out about Robin Williams' passing. Because that story, of course, is about a jester who becomes a king and also never forgets who he is at his core. And it struck me about Robin Williams in his life that in some respects, with a little poetic license, he was a jester who became a king. He was somebody who came from fairly humble origins of telling jokes on a stage to really be one of the great legends of Hollywood with all of the power and all of the privilege and all of the wealth that comes with it. And as I listened to the stories that came out after his death of the people who knew him and strangers who interacted with him, it struck me that Robin Williams was almost exactly in some ways like the jester in that story 
that he never presumed because he was rich and famous and powerful he was better than other people, didn't have time for other people, or lorded over people. The word that kept on coming out, even though he wasn't Jewish, was that he was a mensch, that he treated everybody with dignity and with fairness, that he worked and showed up to work, was the first person on the set because he respected the people for whom and with whom he was working. I don't know what Robin Williams said to himself in the locked rooms of his house when he was looking at the mirror. It could be very dark. It could be very sad. But looking at who he was and how he interacted with people in his life, I think that there's tremendous power to learning from him and also from this story. And the ultimate message that I learned from Robin Williams is not only that we shouldn't let the masks that we wear and the status that we reach or the status that we want to reach dictate how we treat people and how we interact with people and how we view ourselves. That we should see ourselves, always try to see ourselves as we really are and project ourselves and interact with people in the world as we really are, not the powerful image of the person we might wish we would be or hope people see us as, but to be authentic and real to the people that we interact with. And as I thought about that, I thought of all the great roles that Robin Williams played in his life, and there was, to me, a recurring theme throughout many of them, and I just want to share two. In Dead Poets Society, John Williams, Robin Williams excuse me, plays John Keating, a teacher who inspires his students, and the way, what the message, the lesson he gives to his students, and I know Robin Williams didn't write this, but he brought it to life, and the lesson he gives to his students is that the career you want to have, the success you want to have in your life, those are important and necessary for the sustaining of life, but who you are in your soul, your heart, who you love and how you love, that's what makes life worth living and you should not be afraid and even boldly and courageously go and be yourself despite what other people might think of you and how other people might dictate to you that they think you should live. And the message also comes through to me in maybe my favorite Robin Williams movie, which is Aladdin. Because in Aladdin, the title character wants to impress Princess Jasmine, so he makes one of his wishes with the genie to become this great prince. And he's going to impress the princess because he's this great prince. And the genie's advice to him, even after he grants that wish, is be yourself. That, I think, is a great challenge that so many of us have. Because in so many areas of our lives, we feel like we're called to be somebody other than who we authentically are. Or we feel like in order to succeed or to get other people's respect or to assert our power over other people, we have to be someone who we're not. And that is a warping way of living our lives because ultimately we can't take those masks off and we lose who we are. And so the lesson that I take from Robin Williams' work, and I think in some ways Robin Williams' life, and from this story of the jester who became king, is to, at our core, never forget who we are. To never lose sight of our humility, our graciousness, and our love for other people. 
because otherwise we can never be who we want to be. Shabbat Shalom.